0: fans. Happy Wednesday. It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And as always, we take your questions and topics here. We want to know what you want to talk about. So if you're not already watching on the Buccaneers Facebook page, you can head over to the live video there and submit your comments and questions for us. While we give people a little bit of time to start doing that, uh, Joe Tryon signed officially yesterday. So uh, take us through that and what that means in terms of how many of our guys are signed are not signed and the everybody always wants to know about the salary cap situation this time of year and and how signing new rookies affects it
1: yeah I'll start with the part about who's not signed there's only one left and that's third round pick Robert Hainsey I don't think that's anything anybody has to worry about I'm sure that'll get taken care of before the start of training camp really the Joe Triumph signing news uh, is good news it's not earth-shaking news because it was probably Going to happen at some point but you know now Mike Greenberg and company don't have to worry about that in the last few days before training camps is one more thing ticked off and um you know first round or any any rookie draft pick holdouts into training camp have become very very rare since the 2011 CBA and the same rules were kept in this one with basically slotted salaries there's some wiggle room for first round picks in terms of you know structure and exactly how much they get but It's not hard to get done. No offense to the people. I'm sure it would be very hard for me or you to get it done, but those guys know what they're doing. So um, it's good news. It's just not surprising news. It's like, and it's like all first round picks have been getting since 2011. It's a four four year deal with a fifth year team option. And uh, lately the Buccaneers have been picking up all those team options, which means their first round picks have gone good. So hopefully this is just like that.
0: You know, I know something that uh, I, we just did coffee with Carmen and Casey right before this and Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on something we were asked on there that um, we've talked a lot about the four quarterbacks on the roster, what we think that could look like in the regular season. But in particular, we were talking about what it could look like in the preseason when now for the first time you're only having three preseason games and how much you think you'll see of each of those guys and, and what that might tell us.
1: Yeah, I think it probably means you won't see a ton of Tom Brady because, you know, what do you need to see from Tom Brady? in the free- I don't know. I think
0: he really needs to prove himself to me. I just – I'm not sure that he really has shown us what he's capable of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess he'd probably like to have a little bit of a warm-up, but not too much, and you don't want to expose him to injury when you don't have to. Um, you obviously want to see a good amount from Kyle Trask. You know, you want to see what your rookie can do against live competition, and that will be your first opportunity. And after the preseason, it's very unlikely that it'll happen again until next year. So it's it's a kind of a rare opportunity, and I think they'll take advantage of that. And then probably the same thing with Blaine Gabbard and Ryan Griffin. Uh, Blaine in particular, what more do you really need to see from him? Now, I understand it's still a competition between those two. And uh, Bruce Arians said don't necessarily count Ryan Griffin out in the battle to be the number two. Uh, so you can't. You have to let those guys compete a little bit. So I would think they would get – most of it, or, you know, they'll both get about an equal amount of playing time, I would suspect, Uh, but you're right. It's three games, 12 quarters. It's not a lot of time and with four quarterbacks to split it up. So um, it it just lends me to believe that we won't see a ton of Tom Brady.
0: Okay. uh, I thought this was an interesting question. Frank asked, what position do you think we will end up keeping the most players at and why in terms of the, not just, you know, the total numbers, but most backups deepest position and why?
1: You know, if you look at the way we've structured our roster um, under Bruce Arians the last couple of years, it's it's probably defensive line or wide receiver, but most of the groups really don't go over six. The biggest well, no, that's not true. If you count offensive line as a whole and not tackles separate from guards and centers, then it's always going to be offensive line because there you're probably gonna keep nine. Now, uh, we actually only ran with eight for most of last year and even went down to seven for a little while, but that was because you had that option of elevating a guy from the practice squad, which we did for many weeks in a row near the end of the season um, after we started carrying just seven guys on the active roster, offensive linemen, and you can keep eight of them active now on game day. And there's no reason not to because you can either do 40, what is it, 48 active players, and eight of them have to be offensive linemen, or 47, and they don't have to be eight, so you might as well keep that eighth active offensive linemen. So you're going to to carry at least eight and probably nine, and I don't see any other position getting that high. Your defensive lineman might be six or seven. Your wide receivers will probably be six, but could conceivably go to seven if there's some special teams role that one of them is filling, but uh, no no, no other position is going to get to nine.
0: Okay. Uh, Gene asked, is there any news on the NFL vote on the two-helmet rule?
1: Just the last thing I heard was that just that it is still in um, discussion for this year, potentially, which is a bit of news in and of itself, that they haven't so much as tabled it for next year, uh, till next year, I mean. Now, I don't know if even if it were changed this year, if teams or the Bucs in particular, because that's what this fan is wondering about, would go immediately to a throwback game. I tend to think those things take a lot of planning, especially because when we do a throwback game, or the way we used to do them, it wasn't just the uniforms. They really decked out all of Raymond James Stadium to, you know, with orange accents and so on to really carry the day. So um, I still think it's a long shot. You'll see throwback games this year for the Buccaneers, but it, it does seem like it's headed in the right direction. And I know everybody's really happy about that. Our owners have said so um, straight, you know, no him uh, and haan about it. They want to have throwback games. They know the fans want to have them, and they've been pushing the NFL to modify that role. So hopefully we're getting close.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine there's another team or fan base as invested in that rule as as ours. <laughs> Everyone has been asking about that for so long and and I do think it is good to point out that it is a very um intricate process that it is not something where you you get a vote today that you can do it and tomorrow you can just bust out all these yeah. throwback uniforms and stuff. There are a lot of logistics of getting it where the team has what they need and there's even, you know, the stuff for sale for fans and all. I mean, there's just so much behind the scenes that goes into that and, and coordinating with Nike and getting the jerseys made. It's, it's a long process.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if there would be a, an amendment to the, the rule if they suddenly now in July or August uh, said you could use two helmets for this season. But in general, you have to um, decide in the spring, and I don't remember the exact date, but I think it might be in May. You have to decide exactly which uniforms or jersey color that you're going to wear in every game because that has to be communicated to the other team so they can prepare as well. So you don't get to change. You know, you would think the Buccaneers would, they tend to wear white jerseys early in the season at home because it's so hot and then, you know, get to their color ones later. Um, but you might, you might have a game in late October that you were planning to wear your red or even your pewter jerseys. And it turns out that it's still 98 degrees in Tampa in late October and you want to switch to white, but you can't at that point. You, you have to stick with what you said.
0: Yep, that's very true. Uh, Mike wants to know when you guys are bringing back Salty Dogs.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of like when we started the the top of this show, we had the the Joe Tryon news, but was there any other new news to talk about? Um, We thought about doing one around one of the main events like the draft, but it just didn't come together. So it'll probably be in training camp, I would think. You know, just you want to have a lot of stuff to talk about, and you also want to have people here that could conceivably be your guests. I mean, Uh, for the latter part of last year, Jeff and I started doing it without guests simply because with all the COVID protocols and all the stuff that our PR department had to, you know, coordinate, it just, it wasn't helpful to anybody for us to try to get a guy on the phone every week. So uh, we just did it, but we want to go back to having guests because we think the fans really like that part. So it'll probably be in training camp when it'll be easier to get guys on to join with us.
0: Yes, that is very true. It'll be fun to bring back. Absolutely. Um, All right. So Alan wants to know, do you think Darden, could be that X factor in our return game this year.
1: I think so. And I really hope so. I, I think I've already said on here or somewhere that I'm really, really high on Jalen Darden. I'm really excited about that draft pick. Um, I think the Bucks are too. I mean, it wasn't just, they didn't just wait for him in the fourth round. They traded up, I think eight spots just to make sure they didn't miss him, which makes me think they, you know, that round four was the beginning of day three. So you, you've had all of, uh, that Saturday or Friday night after the draft ended and, and Saturday heading up to noon to think about what you wanted and they were obviously fixated on getting Jalen Darden so um, I think they really uh, are excited about him I'm really excited about him I, I don't think he's exactly he's something that we didn't exactly have with that just incredible you know lateral movement and short area quickness and and you know he had some success in the return game in college but it was pretty early in his career and then he was such an important receiver to them that he didn't he kind of fell out of that role in the last couple of years. But as uh, one of the coaches pointed out, the rules for punt coverage are different in the NFL than they are in college. And, and the reason why you see those punters in college do those sort of you know rugby style kicks where they wait as long as possible to kick it is because everybody in college, everybody on the coverage team can immediately go downfield once the ball is snapped in, in the pros only the gunners can do that. And the rest of the guys have to wait until the ball's kicked until they can go down the field. So there's generally more room for a return man to catch the ball and make a move before everybody's on top of them in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, you know, he still has to beat out Jaden Mickens and Jane Mickens did a good job last year. He was, first of all, he was sure handed. And that's the first thing you have to be as a return man. Um, but, uh, it's he could possibly, that, that being Jalen Darden, he could possibly bring a real exciting element to that unit. And that's something we haven't had, what, since Clifton Smith maybe? So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm re- really glad that Buckner's decided to pick a player that could address that situation in the draft, in a draft where we could you know pick luxuries because we had just about everything else. So, yeah, I think it can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, that is a good point about the, the way that it is different in college. I think that sometimes we forget about some of those things when we're – looking at how a guy is going to perform in the NFL and we're just looking at his stats or, you know, some of those highlights and forget some of those little small rule things that can really affect, you know, how, how it's going to look at the NFL level. Um, and yeah, really- I, think, I
1: think that's, I, I think that's why Jaden Mickens was taking some time at one of those uh, minicamp practices to just go over with Jalen Darden, all the little nuances of the little rules that are different in the NFL, which was a nice thing for, for Jaden Mickens to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He really, you could tell he was taking him under his wing and, and being very intentional with that, which is very cool. Um, and related to that, Daniel asked, do you think our special teams has made a major improvement on paper?
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's a good way to put it on paper because they're going to be relying on um, some rookies. Probably uh, there's a chance that five of our seven draft picks uh, will have some sort of role on special teams. If they can get a helmet on Sundays, by that, I mean, if they can be one of the 48 active players and um and and the, you know Buccaneers specifically targeted some of these guys because of what they could do on special teams. Now you take a guy like KJ Britt, the a linebacker from Auburn, the fifth round pick. Now he was a good linebacker, especially against the run, uh, a real hard hitter in college, and maybe he can eventually, you know, play on defense for the Buccaneers. But he can absolutely help right now on special teams, and the Bucks kept that in mind with guys like him and Grant Stewart. Uh, when they drafted them. And then you got Chris Wilcox, a 6th round pick, who's just – he's exactly what you look for in terms of traits for a special team or in terms of his size. He's a big corner. But he's, he's really, really fast. Kind of like Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith was really fast, had good size, um, never really found much of a role on defense, but was able to put those traits together into a nice package as a gunner. Uh, even Joe Tryon, they've said, because they like that his size-speed combination could be a guy that helps out on kickoff coverage and kickoff return. So, probably just about every, and then we already talked about Jalen Darden. So, probably just about everybody except Kyle Trask, obviously, and Robert Hanesy, the rookie lineman, could be like on, uh, you field know,
0: protection, your field. Place kicks. Kicks. Yeah. 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 That's but nice. um,
1: but yeah, that's a lot of guys. That's a lot of additions that were specifically made for that reason. And yeah, I, I think that that actually could make a difference. Yeah, I think I that's hope
0: so. Um, Clifton asked with OJ Howard's return, how do you see him fitting in the offensive rotation?
1: I would just look at what happened in the first four games of last year when um, when OJ, you know, Rob Gronkowski came in, and because he's just so good in, as a two-way tight end, his blocking was really helping a lot, um, he was the starter when you're going just one tight end. But the Bucks ran a decent amount of two tight end sets with Gronkowski and OJ Howard. And before OJ got hurt at the end of that fourth game in that comeback against the Chargers, he was at the end of that game, the four games in the season, he was the tight end on the roster with the most catches, the most yards and the most touchdowns. Um, the Buccaneers were clearly making good use of the two tight end sets with OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski and OJ looked really good. I mean, he, he has had unfortunate injury issues all in all four of his seasons. He's missed some time due to injury. Some of them were fairly brief last year was the biggest one, but I still feel like they're fluky types of things. It's not like he's constantly pulling a hamstring or something like that. So Uh, I just think he needs one year where he doesn't have a bad luck moment um, with like an ankle or something. And he plays 16 games. And I think, I think he would, he would probably be our top producing tight end if he plays the entire season.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers insider live presented by Miller light. Thanks for all those amazing questions. And we will. Oh yes. Oh yes. Go ahead.
1: Let's not forget that. uh, uh, Let's remind everybody that tonight uh, is the second issue or edition of in the current which is uh six parts this time around and the first one was last week and they're covering the entire super bowl season in chunks i think this one would be about games five through eight which yes went pretty well for them
0: yeah yeah that's glad you brought that up so yes everybody check out in the current coming out tonight and if you already missed the first one catch up on that first and you can just binge watch all the amazing content about last season and we can all just relive it before Bruce Arians tells us we all have to move on and it's a whole new season (laughs) all right we'll see you guys next week